Good to see all of you. Welcome today. Um, it is February. We're in the thick of it, February 9th, right? Or 8th. I keep, I don't know. It's one of those, you know. But in, in our culture this month, uh, there's a lot of attention given to relationships. I've, and I've mentioned before, you know, we, we don't uh, accept and embrace and sync with all of culture, but we don't reject all of culture either. We sort of just saturate ourselves with the gospel of Jesus Christ and engage culture, leverage culture for the sake of our mission and our purpose, and that's to see people become followers of Jesus Christ. And as you can tell by the announcement, this month we're making a great effort. Uh, we're coming together more than we ever have in the month of February, Super Bowl party, and then the, what's coming up these next, the skate and the gamer night. You know, the gamer night, we say 16 and up, we're talking like 16 and like 50. You know, last time we had like 10, 12 people. They were really ages like 16, 17, upwards to maybe people in their late 40s. So, uh, you know, just, just come out and have a blast with that. Now, so we have decided to carry this focus on relationships into our sermon series for the rest of the month of February. And today we kick off a new series called Love Story. Now, if you're in here and you're thinking, you know what, I, I, I don't really know if I'm interested in what God has to say about relationships, well, just you got to hang around at least for the pickup lines. I mean, who couldn't use a, a pickup line or two, right? Some of you could use as many, a whole lot, actually. But so, uh, so let's look at some of Solomon's, the writer of the Song of Solomon or the Song of Songs, where we'll be going to today. Let, let's look at some of his pickup lines. One, your hair is like a flock of goats descending from the hills of Gilead. That'll do it, right? <laughs> how, about, how about your teeth are like a flock of sheep just shorn? <laughs> your neck is like the Tower of David. Did you ever see my wife's neck? She's got some neck. Uh, your, your waist is a mound of wheat encircled by lilies. <laughs> so that's just a few of them, huh? But... I want to toss out a few notes before going forward in this series. Um, I don't want you to hear today's message, and, or for that matter, any in this series, and be thinking, oh, this message is really good for him. Oh, that's a great message for her. Don't do that. Resist that temptation. This message is for you. God is speaking and talking to you today. He sovereignly brought you in here to hear his truth and his word, to draw you closer to him, right? All right. Now, also, I don't want you to hear this message and allow yourself to go to a place of regret. Be careful and sensitive to that. Be on guard. The Bible says to be on your guard, to hold firm in your faith. Do that as you're hearing this message. Don't go to a place of regret. Actually, what you want to see happening today is that you want to be enthusiastically looking to go forward, that God has brought you in here now, and you have hope, and you've been empowered, and you're ready to run to the battle. Yes? All right. Now, also, now would be a good time to give you a heads up. Uh, we are looking at the Song of Songs, and your Bible might call it the Song of Solomon, that book. And in this book, they at times can be in a descriptive way speaking to areas of sensuality, intimacy, and S-E-X. Okay? So, now, I do think today is on the lighter side. Uh, depending on how the next two weeks, maybe three, pan out, I'm not really sure. But nonetheless, this book is a descriptive book about relationships, and it is in Scripture. For some of you who have been around church for a while, you know the book exists, but maybe you might not have heard 
the way we're going to go into it, uh, you know, the way it, it, I think it was meant to. Uh, I, I, this is not original. There a guy named Tommy Nelson really seemingly dove into it about 20-something years ago and said, hey, man, this is here, and other ministers have been jumping on it and pulling out of it, and, and we're just blessed to have that and bring it to you. We did a series about four years ago or five years ago uh, on this, and I just wanted to return and bring it back today. Now, that said, I think, you know, 12, 13 and up, you, you should be good. But hey, your children, your discretion, um, again, today, I think is on the lighter side. And we'll do what we can going forward. You're welcome to check your kids in the kids' church, have them hang out in there, maybe even volunteer. Some did that last service. Uh, and, uh, and hey, volunteering is huge. You know, one-third of all our volunteers and all the kids' programs every Sunday are between the ages of 12 and 18. How good is that, huh? So in this series, we are going to be studying through the book of Song of Songs. This book was written by Solomon, the son of King David. Solomon wrote over 1,000 songs, I think 1,005 to be exact. And this was his Song of Songs, considered the greatest song of them all. Now, as we study through this book, I want you to keep this thought in mind, what I think is an underlining theme. And that is when it comes to God's love, God's way works. Or when it comes to love, God's way works. Just, just get that in. Just hold to that. It's a great truth. In the Song of Songs, there are three characters. Some more groundwork here. And they kind of pop in and out of the text. I'll be pointing it out to you. But just to give you a heads up, you've got the lover, that's Solomon, right? And we'll say he's, we're going to refer to him as he a lot. Then you've got he, he, you know, the beloved, the, the Shulamite maiden, that's his beloved. And, and, and that goes from being kind of a girlfriend to a, a wife. And in this book, they're talking about their dating process, their honeymoon. They're talking about their married life, this conflict, this resolution. And then you have these these friends, they're called Daughters of Jerusalem. Uh, seemingly, I think, her friends, and they're kind of just kind of as a chorus, speaking in and chirping in here and there. Now, let's go. Song of Songs, chapter 1, verse 1 through 3. It says, Solomon's Song of Songs. She, she's speaking, speaking, let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for your love is more delightful than wine. That's a memory verse you can grab onto, huh? Pleasing is the fragrance of your perfume. Your name is like perfume poured out. No wonder the young women love you. Wow. What she's saying here is the way you love, it's so pleasant. It's so pleasing the way you love me, the way you love others. It, this is important, not only in a relationship between a man and a woman, but in any relationship. This applies to all relationships. I'm not talking about the kissing part. I'm talking about loving others. I'm talking about loving and caring for other people in our lives that we would love them in a pleasant and a pleasing way. So when I talk about Christy and I in our relationship, often I will make statements like, you know, like I'm fairly confident and comfortable that when people assess her and I, they think, wow, this guy like lucked out, or how did this happen for him? I, I do, I, and I'm cool with that. Uh, and, it, and it is, you know, and when I was preparing this sermon, I, I thought, you know, 
And this is like the best version of me, by the way. So it, it's really even more confusion, confusing if you go to when we first met. <laughs> it, it's, it's, uh, yeah, kind of unbelievable in a sense. But I think when we first met, I do, I think there was something that Christy saw in me that she found attractive. And it was the way I could care and love for people. Now, I was. I was beyond dysfunctional. I, I, I didn't have a, a, I don't know if I had a morsel of character in me. Um, and certainly, often, I, the way I lived was actually destructive and harmful to people, including myself. Though, in certain contexts, it would come out of me, I would be extraordinarily compassionate and, and abundantly generous to help someone, to stop their hurting. Uh, and it would just come on me. And, and, and often when I was around, like, you know, church or, or, or talk about well, Christians or Jesus people, it seemed to be kind of fueled up in me. So when, and of course, I was living with my grandfather at the time because he didn't want to come out anymore. And he was in his 80s and I wanted to care for him. And so I moved into the projects, crazy. And so she's watching me. You know, she'd watch me call him on Sundays. She'd see me do things for him. So she'd see me caring for my grandfather. First time I hit her college campus, you know, where she's going to Bible college. I'm helping, I'm helping somebody's in really bad shape to the tune of like almost two grand. I helped them out on the spot. And so she's seeing that in me. And I do believe it was something that attracted her to me, my willingness to care and love for others. Hey, See, I, I, I had a lot of issues, but in there, in there, God had created, you know, a, a, a big heart in me for people. Look, when you walk into a room, when you come into the presence of your family and friends, are they glad to see you? I'm serious. When you walk into the room and your wife is there, there's a wonderful sense come over her, a warm and glad sense come over her. Is she saying, this, this is pleasing, this is pleasant. My husband, my wife has just come into the room. The, the, the person I'm in relationship with has just come into this room. When you come into the room, do your children have this sense of fragrance, of smell? What's that? It's just connect. This is good. My mom, my dad has just walked into the room. This is pleasing. This is pleasant. Yes. Why? Because, but you know, they care about me the way they love me. Let this be our way in our relationships as followers of Jesus Christ to love people well, that they're glad to see us, huh? Because of the way we treat them, consider them, love them. When we walk into their presence, it's just sweet, huh? Song of Songs, chapter 1, verses 4 through 6. She's speaking, take me away with you, let us hurry. Let the king bring me, who he's the king, into his chambers, Guys, that's not the garage she's talking about. Right? Now, some of you are still wondering, huh? Now, her friends chime in. They jump in. We rejoice and delight in you. We'll praise you. We'll praise your love more than wine. How right they are to adore you. But what they're saying here to the Shulamite woman is, we admire your relationship. You and him, when you use it together, it's just encouraging to everyone. It's awesome to look at you and to admire you, how you treat each other. You and I, we want our children, our friends, to look at our relationship and to be encouraged. 
Pause. Don't go backwards. Don't go to regrets. Don't go there. Today we go forward, yes? Today we move forward. Today we are filled with hope. Today we are empowered, huh? Jesus Christ, by who he is, fully man, fully God, but by what he did, he just makes all things new. And we have this gift called redemption. No other faith in the world has anything like it. Not putting them down, but just thanking God for what he's done, huh? So, you can encourage your children right now, today. You can encourage your adult children today. You can encourage your grandchildren today by the way you choose today to love one another, the way you love each other. And regardless of anything, what this, that, yesterday, this morning, today, right now, love each other in a way that's admired. Verse 5, chapter 1. Song of Songs. She's speaking. She says, dark am I, yet lovely. Mm. She's saying, you know, I'm not very pretty, but I am a lovely person. And then her friends, those daughters of Jerusalem, they say, yeah, yeah, they affirm it. They're like, yeah, you are dark like the tents of Kedar, like the tent curtains of Solomon, which were like, like black. Like really dark. See, in those days, it was, you know, kind of more desired to be fair of skin because that meant you were probably in a better place in your socioeconomic status because otherwise you were working out in the field, maybe someone owned you, and, and it just was a rough lot in life. Now, the book makes it clear as it goes on that she's, a, she's actually a, a beautiful woman. And we'll get into that in the weeks ahead. But she did not hold a high view of herself. She says in verse 6, do not stare at me because I am dark, because I am darkened by the sun. My mother's sons were angry with me, and they made me take care of the vineyards, and I neglected to take care of my vineyard, meaning my body. And we talk about a darkness, how you know where the, the skin is probably weathered and it's cracked, very dry skin. But notice what she's doing. She's going right to a topic, attraction. She's talking about attraction right now. She's saying, hey, physically, I'm not much to look at. But you know what? But inside, there's something wonderful going on. Please don't, don't miss that. You know, you know and, and again, now, nowadays, to be darker skin is fine, whether it's an ethnic thing or whether it's, you know, getting tanned or machines or sun, whatever. Man, when I met Christy, she was crazy dark. No, really, if you catch my wife, well, now we're you're so busy, we're so busy, but so she is just, she can sit in the sun for hours upon hours upon hours. 15 minutes, I am like burnt, I'm done, I'm out of there. This woman can just sit in the sun for like half a day, no problem. And, and she gets this like incredible color to her skin. It's just, and when I saw her, I'm thinking, okay, she's Dominican, she's Puerto Rican, she's light-skinned African-American, what's going on here? Either way, it looks good. But it turns out she was French-Canadian, and so there you go. <laughs> I think you were the first French-Canadian I met in my life. I don't know. Yeah, I was from Brooklyn, New York, Italian, Irish, Jewish, Puerto Ricans. Yeah, we, we, that was pretty much about it. But uh, so the Shulamite woman, she's talking about her working for hours and hours in the sun. And she's saying, hey, hey, look, look in here. Make sure you remember to look at the inside. Don't just focus on the outside. See, what you see here is if you're going to have a vibrant, enjoyable relationship, 
over the course of time, it needs to be much more than a physical attraction. Now, I know, you've heard this platitude cliche. Listen, pause right now. This is just so true. It's so deep. Go past the surface. Watch your filters. Look, you're going to have the physical attraction. That just happens, right? It just, boom, it's there. But you don't want the physical attraction to dominate your thoughts. It has its place. Just make sure you work it in its place. But especially, and especially in the early formation of a relationship, early on, don't let the physical attraction be your focus. Look, if it wasn't for that, you probably wouldn't be in there. Cool, I get that. Me too. But early on, and for that matter, even the duration of the relationship, you want to turn to the inside. You don't want the physical attraction to dominate your thoughts. When I met Christy, um, and as I said, I, I was physically attracted to her. And, you know, just because of the course of events, we wound up, you know, spending, you know, some time around each other, several hours of that day. And, uh, I, I, you know, I, I was nice to talk with her. And uh, I got her number. Right? So, uh, and I gave her a call. And I, I noticed when I was talking to her, she seemed nice. Uh, you know, like, like very pleasant. Uh, meaning... Uh, she didn't have like a game or an angle, uh, what I was accustomed to in my circles of, you know, guys pursuing girls, girls pursuing guys. Everybody had an angle. We called it a shtick. It, it was okay. It was normal. But it, it, she just didn't seem like she was in that way. And then I call her up, and really I'm cornered, and I've said this before, you know, I'm really cornered because I'm thinking, you know, you know, she's going to Bible college. It's like, she's going to be a nun, and, and I'm just, you know, I'm a nut job, and what am I doing with this? I, I got a nun's number. It's a terrible thing. Were <laughs> you a sicko? And so, <laughs> in so many words, so I, I call her up just to be nice and say, look, you know, it's nice to talk to you, really. It's not you, it's me. I, I think in some ways, at the beginning of the conversation, we kind of touched on that, like, hey, you're, you're good, I'm not, and... But then, as we're talking, I, I'm really enjoying listening to her, hearing her. And I'm like, wow, I, I don't know if I've ever really done this before. Like, I'm, I'm not really, like, thinking of hitting on her. I'm not picturing the things I'm going to do to her. I don't know, that was me. Maybe you're different, you know? I'm just listening to her, and, and I was getting into her. Wow. And so much that uh, two hours went by, and, man, she was sweet, and she was genuine. And I got off the phone like, what? Was that, huh? And I'm so glad. I'm so glad by God's mercy that in that moment, I began to focus on her inside. Tell you the truth, we didn't see each other again for like another maybe almost, I think it was two months. I, I kind of forgot what she looked like. You know, I did. I'm like, where was it this one? What's that? And, and uh, I did. I really forgot what the girl looked like. But, but I was so looking forward to talking to her. And I've said before, I would, I would map out our conversations because I'm like, okay, I would script out how I would try and talk to her so I could sound good. And, and like, I'd underline, don't curse, don't say this, don't say that. I was, I was really into who she was on the inside. Focus on the inside, not just the physical attraction. Song of Solomon, chapter 1, verse 7, says, Tell me, you whom I love, where you graze your flock and where you rest your sheep at midday. Why should I be a veiled woman besides the flocks of your friends? Hmm. 
A veiled woman was a form of a prostitute or a woman behaving in such a manner, right? Someone, you know, uh, you know, flaunting and putting themselves out there and acting a way to gain a man or a man, even in some ways looking to gain a woman's attention for their own benefit, for their own gain, for their own pleasure. And she's telling Solomon, hey, you know what? I'm not going to be like that. That's just not me. Wow. And guess what? Solomon was attracted to that, huh? Solomon was looking for something, and that something was different than everything else that was going on, and he saw it in her. I'm not going to do that. Solomon looked past the physical. He was yearning and wanting something deeper. Perhaps that something deeper was spiritual. Now I'm lending, taking a liberty here. Perhaps... Solomon wanting something spiritual because Solomon, like me and like you, is a spiritual being. I really deeply believe that. There's material, there's spiritual. I believe you and I are spiritual beings. And therefore, we have this thing called spiritual attraction. I do believe the most attractive thing about a person is how they love God, truly love God. Now, what's great is, regardless of where you came from, your socioeconomic status, what you look like, <laughs> we all can love God, right? We can, and really, it is the most attractive thing. If you're, if you're a believer, a follower of Christ, I mean, I honestly think if you're a human being, when you come to a place of loving God, there is nothing more attractive in you as a human being than this. Now, we want to talk about what that would look like in, 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 in the person that you're attracted to and really also what that would look like developing, developed in you, which is same truth but looking at it two different ways. So, first, the person you want to be in relationship with, the, the, the person you want to be, as I say all again, don't look for the right person, be the right person, yeah? You that person would love and worship God. This is spiritually attractive to see them loving and worshiping God. Now, people can make this really ambiguous, right? I love God. I worship God. So let's kind of really try to hone in on this. What are some of the traits that we would see, characteristics? One, generosity. The person, the person is they're, 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 they're serving others. They're, they're not shying away from opportunities to do for others, you know, to get up off the couch, to, to bring something to a neighbor, to, to help someone, to go out in their community of Christ followers and, and to give of themselves to serve and to help. They're servants, man. They're, they're generous in their time. They're generous with their giving. You know, they're in a line and somebody ahead of them can't find change. Like, no, no, I'll take care of it. Here's a buck. They walk, they, you know, they see somebody who's struggling in the street, say, you know what, you know, let me just give them a few bucks. My son and I were Thursday night, we're out in Antonio's in Amherst by the college there about 11 o'clock at night. We're having some pizza, and there's a homeless guy in, in the pizzeria. And, the, and one of the workers is kind of, it, it really in a reasonable way, he's going into conflict. The guy's like, hey, man, I, I've got a business here. We're trying to run this. You, you've been here for like three hours, and now you're laying down. We, you you, you got to go. I, I mean, I fed you, but you got to go. And so, uh, and I'm thinking, you know, how, how do I get involved in this without, you know, showing up the guy and, and so the, the homeless guy gets up and he walks out. And now, before he walked out, there was this girl there, a, a young woman, and, and I think it was her, a friend or a boyfriend. And they kind of walk out quickly before he does. 
And I watch through the glass. Me and Justin sit there. We like to look out, you know, catch everybody in life and what they're doing. My, my poor son, he's got me. He's his dad. I just like to observe people. And, and we see the guy take the girl, hands him her coat. I mean, it was probably like 15 degrees out. She takes her coat, gives it to the guy. The guy walks over to the homeless man and says, here, take it. And I said to Justin, now that is something you want to see in the woman you marry, Right? That's generosity. I don't know if she believes in God or not, but she's generous. I believe that that which came from her, you know, God puts in all of us. Meaning, where did that come from? If you're a table, if you're you're material, I don't know how that's derived from you. But if God created you, then he created you and me and everyone to, to do such things. This is when we are at our best. That was very attractive. Do you agree? Yeah, that's what I mean. When you're worshiping and loving God, you are so incredibly attractive. So generosity, now, humble. You want to see somebody who's humble, you know, meaning they consider others, right? They, they, uh, they give people the benefit of the doubt. They're, they're, they're cool with that. You want to see them if they do come into church, that, okay, at first maybe not, but over time and if they're already in church, are they enthusiastically worshiping God? Are they glad and enthusiastic about coming? Do you, do you got to really pull them there? And that doesn't mean you cut ties. It means you need to realize the pause, because you want to what? You want to be into spiritual attraction. You want to see them loving and worshiping God. Huh? Courage. Man, that, that, that they and you would hold to what is right. That's hard more than ever today. Because Christianity is so countercultural. Absolutely. What do I mean by do? There's a lot of ways we can apply this. But really, a lot of it comes to delaying your gratification. I didn't say forever denying it. I mean delaying your gratification physically. As we see eventually this couple plaza plays out. But de- delaying what is best for you to satisfy yourself. Delaying this for the sake of something greater. And first and foremost, that greater being God. Now I would tell you, and, and uh, some of you might give me <laughs> some, some uh, pushback on this. Don't do it now, do it afterwards. But not having sex before marriage is not going to guarantee you a good marriage. And not having sex before marriage is not going to guarantee you a really good sex life. It, 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 on different fronts, it certainly could be a contributor, but a contributor. But what will contribute significantly to having a wonderful marriage is you loving and worshiping God in such ways, right? <laughs> and part of that is that Deny, delaying that self-gratification. I'm delaying gratifying myself for the sake of my love and my worship of God. Well, man, and everything else seems to come in place. I'm generous. I'm humble. And, and now I'm in such a place to love and to serve this person. And, and they're doing the same for me. And by the way, as we do this now, we're being more honest with each other because we're being honest with ourselves, right? We're more prone to stepping out and being considering the other person so we want to understand them more and know them more. And now this is really bringing us to a greater place of intimacy. We can communicate more about what's going on and that will lead to better sex. It just will. If you don't believe in God, it just, it's a fact. It will. All right. Quiet. That's okay. Listen, you're a spiritual being. Huh? Live from that truth. It's a plus for all of your relationships. All right. Now we want to talk about spiritual attraction. Let's talk about emotional attraction. All of you, men, women, zone in on this one. Song of Songs, chapter 1, verse 9. He says, liken you, my darling, 
to a mare among Pharaoh's chariot horses. Your cheeks are beautiful with earrings, your neck with strings of jewels. We will make you earrings of gold studded with silver. So that word there, you know, my, my darling, it, it's Hebrew, and it speaks to someone who's very dear and close to you, kind of like a BFF, right? Best friend, best friend forever. Solomon is saying, I like you, man. I really like you. You are my best friend. Yeah, yeah, I'm looking forward to having a physical relation with you, man. <laughs> yeah, I am. But, you know, right now, you know, I, I, I'm connecting deeply with who you are. My close friend. Solomon says to the girl, you're like a horse. So, so guys, you might not want to lead with that one, right? Huh? Now, now, some of you, it's dangerous. You just might lead with something like that. Like, well, Solomon did. I could have. No, no. Same approach, different method, right? Find something else besides a horse. Look, but what he's saying is Pharaoh's chariot horses they were like no other horse in all the world, meaning they were priceless. And what he's saying to this woman is, you, you're priceless to me. What he's telling her is what? I value you. Come on. I value you. What would it look like if you, your relationships, if your boyfriend, girlfriend, your fiance, your spouse, your husband, your wife knew by your words, by your actions that you valued them? Mm. meaning not took them for granted, but value them. That day in and day out, you would say and do things that communicated that. He's being tender. Now she comes back, right? And this is a little bit in and out over time. She says in verse 12, while the king was at his table, while Solomon's at the table, my perfume spread its fragrance. She's saying, you know what? When we're in public, I'm going to honor you. When we're in public around people, I'm going to speak well about you to others. Man, when, when, when I'm alongside you, people are going to know how glad I am to be there. I'm going to be beaming. I'm so glad I am with you. We are with each other. It's going to just spread out to everybody around us how much I love being alongside of you. And she is such an encouragement to him. I mean, you know, it, she's touching him deep inside. And then she not only goes to, hey, this is when we're in public. When you're away from me, she goes to verse 13. She says, my beloved is to me a sachet of myrrh resting between my breasts. So it is a little sack of perfume, but she's holding it close, huh? She's holding it close, literally tenderly between her breasts. She said in verse 14, my beloved is to me a cluster of henna blossoms from the vineyards of Engadi. Meaning what she's doing is she's connecting to him emotionally, right? In verse 12, 13, and 14, when I'm with you, I want to let everybody know how glad I am to be with you, how glad I am to be alongside of you. An emotional connection, an encouragement, an uplifting, a strengthening, come on. And it's just, you know, when we're apart, I'm thinking of you in such an intimate and tender way. Even when we're separated, she's connecting to him emotionally. Husbands, wives, I, you, I want you to get this. People in relationships, make a significant effort to meet the emotional needs of your loved ones, of your spouse. This is so critical. 
You say, well, I'm not sure what their emotional needs are. Well, find out. Ask them. And by the way, this is a man and a woman thing. This is not just, you know, in fact, I'm more emotional. I have more emotional needs than Christy does. That's not such a good thing sometimes. But discover them. And then give the effort from your worship and your love of God to meet those needs. This is emotional attraction. And like Pharaoh's horses, value each other. Wives, let your husband know through deed and words that you, they're valuable to your husbands. Treat your wife in a way where they are so valuable to you. Speak well about each other publicly and privately and even to your own self, right? Chris Hodges says about husband and wife, if you don't like what you're seeing in each other, then pay more attention to what you're saying about each other. It's true, huh? Sometimes you might say things affirming and affectionately, and it might, they might not seem to deserve it. But you want to do that. You want to speak life to them, right? You, you want to continually let them die and your relationship be deprived of life? Speak life to them. Christy does this to me often. She will speak things into my life that really, honestly, I don't deserve. That day, that week, I'm just, I've just, I've been, I haven't been good. I've not been well, but she refuses to let that carry the day. She will speak life into me. We, my wife and I, we like to encourage each other. We, the way we do it is we acknowledge each other's accomplishments. We do. We're often stopping and, and speaking to each other. Wow, you know, you did that so well, Tori. You know, thank you for what you did today with the kids. Or thank you, do you know, honey, thank you for taking so-and-so out. And, and it was so late at night. We're always acknowledging each other's accomplishments. But we also speak well to one another for who we are. You know, you're, you're just such a sweet person. You know, you're, 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 you're just such a caring man. We speak to who we are. Now, I, I tend, personally, me, I, I dig the accomplishment stuff. You know, uh, I, it's like it's, I'm into it. I, it's, it's the way I am. So, like, if I, like, clean the dishes, I'm, like, hanging around like a dog by his water dish waiting to be noticed that I clean the dishes, right? And, and, if, <laughs> no, and if Chrissy doesn't notice, I'll hang in there, but... When we go to bed at night and we're laying out, I will roll over and say, you know, I cleaned the dishes today. I really did. And I cleaned the counters too. And she'll be like, I mean, I just got to be acknowledged. And, and, and she'll be like, well, that, that was so nice of you. And, and, and God saw you. And I'm thinking, yeah, but I wasn't looking to get close with God tonight. I was looking to get close with you. So you really need to acknowledge this, right? But you see where I'm going, huh? Look. And if you're saying good things to each other and about each other, then when you're apart, you're more likely to think good thoughts of each other, yes? And you're now, what are you doing? You're building your emotional attraction. You're increasing that emotional attraction one to another. This is like a culture in your marriage. This carries on when you're not together. This is a great guard in your heart and your mind. Every marriage deeply needs this. So you got that spiritual attraction, the emotional attraction, and, you know, and there's a physical attraction that we alluded to, but we, we will talk about that in the coming weeks. Look, all that we're teaching here in this series is meant to gear you to have a more fulfilling and enjoyable life, right? To glorify God and to enjoy him. If you're in here and you've been kicking this Christian thing around for a while, up, down, all over, <laughs> you might be thinking, you know, Dave, uh, I don't really argue or dismiss much of what you said up there. But uh, really, you, you don't know me, 
my past, what's going on right now, what's, what's happening. Um, I'm, I'm really so far disconnected from where you are and what you're talking about is just not even a reality. It's not even on my radar. I'm not saying it's not true, Dave, but it's just so far sounds good from up there, but I can't really see it working in my life. I want you to consider this. Consider God's love for you. Consider your relationship with God. This is the first and most important intimate relationship you will ever have. Consider, when I came to God, I was very unlovable. I was an extraordinarily unlovable person. I was a mess. I was very immoral. As I said, I don't think I had a morsel of character in me. I was very unstable. Simply put, I was a very unattractive person at 28 years old. And God said, you know, Dave, I want to have a relationship with you. How extraordinary is that, huh? Dave, I love you, and I want to be close with you, Dave. He chose to love me, right? He knew that if I would take on his love, I would be changed. I would know, you know, the goodness that's there would not be an intermittent happening here and there that was circumstantial. No, it would, it would really be, it would just flow out of me continually. He, he knew what he had for me. Huh? And, you know, I've got a, I've got a long way to go. That, you know, hence the best is yet to come. Like, let's keep going, man. Let's keep doing this so much more. As Paul said, I want more of Jesus. But I, I know I've changed. I know I have changed so much. My kids have watched me change over the years. Look, all this sounds impossible. But nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is impossible with God who created you, who loves you, who made you for relationships. you got to get this. You were made for relationships. It's one of the things, I'm sorry, it is the thing that testifies that there's a God more than anything else. And you have the God who gave his life for you, stepped out of heaven for relationship, gave his life for relationship. In the beginning, God said, let us, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, relationship. It's all relationship. And here, let us have relationships that glorify God. I want you to keep coming each week. Huh? I want you to watch God work in your life and how he's going to change your relationships. Listen, you come to love not by finding the perfect person, but by seeing the imperfect person perfectly. Yes, that's the miracle God did for Dave Trelongo. You know, Father, we pray for singles in here today. We pray for couples. We pray for marriages, oh God. Lord, that they would develop strong spiritual attractions, deep, deep, lasting emotional attractions, oh God. We pray for miracles right now in Jesus' name, oh God. Miracles, oh God. Glorify yourself in their lives and their relationships, oh God. Let them press on, oh God. Lord, we pray for fresh starts. God, you make all things new and beautiful. To God be the glory.